Good morning, afternoon, and evening. This is the FGen Experience. Documenting interviews and conversations between first-generation students at the University of Portland. In today's episode, the director of the First Gen Experience Project, Melanie Mwavai, sits down with co-head Jonathan Hart to speak on why she felt it was important to create a podcast like this. Topics include a major emphasis on identity and the themes of displacement and justice that are a part of the podcast's initial mission. With Mel specifically, she details her experience and memories coming to America and how her expectations were both exceeded and subverted. Recorded in person in a Franz Hall auditorium on April 24th, 2021. We hope you enjoy. Sounds good. So hi, Mel. Um, welcome to the FGen podcast. I know you've already been on it, but now it's your turn to be interviewed. Um, so I'll open up with just our basic first question, which is, what does your first gen identity mean to you? So for me, being first generation has been such an honor because all of my older brothers, except one of them, have gone to college. And um, I'm the only girl in my family who's ever gone to college. My mom never went to college, she never finished high school. And then when I think about like the people who are closest to me, also like in my village, having gone to college. So like for me, being able to go to college in a different country has just been such an honor. Another thing is that I guess like being Afghan, as I mentioned, is such an honor, but also it's such a challenge to be one of them in that group because I am kind of learning a new system and how to operate around with academia. It's different from what the educational system in Kenya is. Um, I haven't mentioned that, but I'm originally from Kenya um, and I've been here for about six plus years. And I completed high school here, but it wasn't as hard as it was for college. I remember my freshman year, I was ready to quit school completely. Like I was just so exhausted. Um, I struggled a lot with imposter syndrome, um, where it was hard to talk to my family about the news that were happening to my life or whatever I'm learning at school because they couldn't relate to that. And then it was also like very difficult to just listen to their point of view sometimes because maybe it's because I was in college and was able to get a different perspective of life than they do. Um, and every single time I try to bring up important stuff like how to take care of the family and stuff like that, um, I have been considered that I do not <laughs> um, match with them, which is true. Like I've got more education than they have, but for them, it's like a different person, which I'm not. It's just that it's hard to act like me around them, and it's hard to act like me around my friends because I have this other like heavy thing that's holding me back because I want to be a certain way, but I have all these like, expectations from my family, and it's hard. Um, so I guess that's what it means to be Afghan to me. Yeah, definitely. and. So you said you came here to finish high school. So did you start high school in Kenya? And then how like different was the education system when you came here? So when I was in Kenya, I was in a boarding school. 
And so, which is normal. Like, once you go to high school, people expect you to go to boarding school. But I went to an all-girls boarding school. Um, the education system was very intense. It was very highly competitive. Um, you always look over your shoulder and know that there's someone ahead of you uh, or behind you. And if you're the top student, then you have to make sure that you're, you're always the top student. So for me, I was always like in the top student section. Um, and so when I came here, it was not about winning. <laughs> it was about understanding the concept, right? And um, getting to learn the material, but also like I felt like the education system in high school was way behind from what I was used to in Kenya. Uh, because I went on, like as a freshman in Kenya, I was already learning anatomy and physiology stuff. Um, and here, like I came here as a junior, they placed me as a junior and I was learning stuff that I had already learned in fifth, in eighth grade or seventh grade. And so I felt like I didn't really do a lot in high school until I came to college. I guess like I had a couple of years of relaxing and then I came to college and everything was like, boom, this is what it is. Um, you have 15 weeks, complete the syllabus. And you know, um, so that was, it was a huge culture shock that I had because um, first of all, like when I came, I I went to a Metropolitan Learning Center, which was an alternate school in Portland. So it wasn't really geared towards academics. So I guess like I was just pretty relaxing. I guess my exchange year was supposed to be that way and learning more about American culture. And then when I decided to stay in the US, then my senior year, I went to Jefferson High School and Jefferson High School is, it's a pretty good school because it kind of prepared me to go to college because we all had to take like some classes at Portland State University and also at Portland Community College. And so, but it wasn't the same way because I still had high school classes to take. Um, and these were just extra classes that I had to take at PCC and PSU. And then when I came here, it was a different expectations. This time I didn't have someone behind my back tell me you have to do this stuff, you know. I was in control of my schedule. I was in control of everything. Wake up in the morning, show up to class, you know. But that's not what I did in high school because I, I, as I mentioned, like I was pretty chilling. Um, and so it was pretty hard to like balance everything out, like balance school, balance social life, balance everything and just being expected to do well in school. And so, yeah, that was quite tough. And then one of the other things that I kind of like experienced a little bit was that the fact that I was the only black student in most of my classes and just expected to know a lot about black experience. And that was not something that I myself was already learning about it. Um, I was reading books like Americana and White Fragility and uh, James Baldwin, like between and and also uh, Tina Shikos, between the world and me, like I was learning how to be black in America, but also like I kind of experienced the fact that in my classes I was expected to know a lot about black culture and talk about Black Lives Matter in class, and it came to a point where I just got exhausted because I didn't know what to do and I didn't know who to talk to, you know, and I guess like those were the kind of stuff that. Um, I was expected to know, and it, it was just so hard, yeah. Yeah, would you say that, like, differing your experience between, like, high school and college, like, the newfound independence and also, like, 
kind of the expectations to have this like fully formed identity that is already you know set in stone do you feel like that was more difficult than dealing with like maybe um a more disciplined schedule in high school yes so when i was a freshman i didn't really put myself very hard into the first generation program um or like identify myself as first gen you know because I told myself I could do it, but I was actually really struggling. And in high school, yes, it was different because I had people like my host family, they made sure that I was on track and I made sure of that as well, right? So, and also I was in, um, I was an athlete. And so I did soccer, I did swim team. And, and so like I, I, I did stuff that put time in my schedule. And in order to play the games, I had to go to classes. <laughs> and so um, instead of just going to practice and watch people play, so um, I guess that kind of gave me the discipline of taking care of my staff in terms of schoolwork. When I came to college, like, it was quite different. Like, I had it at first, but I was also struggling a lot with calculus. I was placed in a wrong class. I was supposed to take pre-calc, but went straight to calculus. And it wasn't my best class that as a freshman, and I just hated that because um, I, I am really good at math, and the fact that this one class was just taking a lot of my time um, was pretty tough. And then I remember like I went to Matt Daly, who's an FGM coordinator at, at University of Portland, and I just cried, and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm just exhausted. I've been doing my best, but nothing is working. I was at the verge of dropping the class, but I was like, I'm going to keep doing it until I get to the end. And just with other, like, microaggressions that was happening as well, like, I was ready to give up. And then Matt was like, you know what? I'm not going to sign this document right now, but what I would like you to do is to give it a shot. Finish until the end of this, the year. Uh, you're freshman here, and if you still feel like you don't want to be here, I will help you out. I will sign it for you, and we will go to the deans and do it together. And I thought that was a good compromise. And so after that, like, I talked to Dr. Hoffman, who's also my research mentor, and she gave me a research opportunity, and so I kind of got involved on campus. And that kind of took my most of my time, and so the idea of, like, dropping out of school never crossed again and then after that like the second semester I also got involved in the like first generation peer mentorship program so we were the first group to actually try it out and it worked pretty well and my mentor was pretty awesome like I would go and cry and say okay I, I'm not sure what I'm doing with my life but this is so difficult and he was very nice and very sweet about everything and telling me that I'm not alone like his experience was kind of similar um, and that kind of like gave me the motivation to keep going and pushing through and just figuring out what ways worked for me in terms of studying, right? Like, I felt like at first, like I wasn't really studying, studying, I was just doing the assignments. And then after I learned that, then I kind of figured out, okay, doing assignment is one thing, but am I learning something out of it, you know? And so it became a process where I had to figure out myself again and just try to develop new ways of being a better student and also being a better friend to my friends because at some point I felt like I was focusing more on school than my social life. Um, and then 
I found a way to have balance and that kind of helped me through my last four years, I guess. Yeah, definitely having balance between school and social life is something that I feel like is really important too because college isn't just about academics. It's also about like the quality of your life too. And so thank you for sharing all of that about your experience. It's honestly really like inspiring and I don't know, it sounds like you've made it through a lot of struggle, but now here you are like one week from graduation. Um, and yeah, you're almost there. So this is um, this is like huge. And honestly, congratulations on that as well. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to move into our next question here, which is what are some of your other identities and how do they intersect with your first generation identity? So... I am black. I'm a black woman. I'm also first generation immigrant to the US. I'm also a member of Iota Sigma Pi Women in Chemistry group um, in the US. I'm also a treasurer of the American Chemical Society Club at the University of Portland. Um, I'm also a research student. Um, I do both. I do a medicinal research with Dr. Hoffman with natural products as well. Yeah, I mean, also, like, I like the fact that I am doing STEM, you know, like, biochemistry. It's a tough, um, it's a tough program, but it's worth it. Like, the challenge is just good enough, um, and I made it, so that's exciting. Do you feel like those mesh well with your first-gen identity, or do you feel like there are certain places where those things intersect or... Um, you kind of consider them to work well together? Yes. So um, I guess for me, coming to the U.S., everything became first, right? I had to learn a new culture, which was the first time to ever learn a new culture, meet new people, speak a different language than what I was used to. Um, and then when I came, like, I first learned how to ski, play piano, um, ride a bike, you know, like those beautiful moments, you know, like um, swim, you know, and after learning how to swim, I joined a swim team. So everything was first. And so with that, kind of like, and being first generation in college, it gave me the strength to be able to look back and say, I did this, you know. And all the struggles that I went through in as a freshman in in college, um, kind of like gave me purpose, you know, in telling myself, okay, I am not the only person who's been through this. There are other people out there, and just because I'm first generation, I mean, it's special, but I need to be able to make sure I'm on the right track with everything, you know. And so when I came here, it was another different culture. We we're all new. So making friends was not a new thing because I had already done that in high school. But none of my high school friends came to this school and I had to make new friends. So I was pretty wild, by the way, freshman year. <laughs> <laughs> all my friends tell me that and I know that already. Um, I was just all over the place. Um, I was ready to meet new people, like, which I did. I met a lot of people, and then after that, then I had to figure out, okay, who are the people that, when I think about in the next four-plus years, I'm going to be friends with, you know? Some people are great. Some people are like, okay, let's go party. Okay, yeah. 
some people are like, okay, I love partying, I love studying, I love doing everything, I like exploring. I was like, okay, maybe, you know. And just kind of finding that balance between friends was pretty important. And I guess all of us, it was our first time doing it again, you know, like trying to figure out who are your people. And then we ended up all being BS students. So we're all, I'm the only biochemistry, but the rest are biology majors and general studies, you know. And so being first generation has been a privilege and a challenge as well, yeah. One thing that I kind of grasped onto that you were saying earlier was that you were on a swim team as well. Um, and I was on I was on swim and water polo too, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, how was that for you? It was tough. I remember my first meet ever. <laughs> I was not the fastest swimmer, nor the slowest swimmer, but I kept moving. And then, like the first lap, it went pretty well. The second lap, mm, I I just got so tired. And I was still kind of learning how to be comfortable in water. Like I just took this huge leap of faith and decided to join a swim team. And I'm glad like my coach was really nice and very supportive. And because I was in the team, they placed me in a varsity team. I wasn't that good to be in a varsity team, but one of the students got hurt. And so I had to take over their freestyle and it, it wasn't that amazing, but everyone was cheering at me to keep moving. I was the last in the in the meet, but um, I just kept going. I was like, you know what, you guys will have to be patient with me because it's new and it's my first time ever doing a meet, so please be patient. So I took all my time, yeah, from four laps, and be done. <laughs> and while it is like. You know, you're on a swim team. It's like mostly an individual thing, you know? Mm -hmm. You're just trying to beat yourself and exactly. you're trying to beat your time. I can definitely relate to you on not being the fastest but not being the slowest either. Um, I really enjoyed swim for the time that I did it. But, you know, that's always fun, just trying to, trying to accomplish something new and trying to beat your past record. I feel like that's the best way to go about it because sometimes in sports having to always, like, compete against another team it's honestly not as satisfying as like beating yourself um in like a meet i don't know but what is your greatest passion um or aspiration at the moment good question so every time i think about this i get so excited so my passion like i really i'm very interested in like doing research at all like being in the lab just, it's so nice. Maybe it's because it's just me in the lab with not people around and just me and my research, you know. Um, but also like when I think about the future, I'm like, oh my gosh, all I can think of, it's either me being a cardiothoracic surgeon or working in a research lab, you know, like I just want to be in an environment where I'm in control of the surrounding um, like in a research lab, doing research with whatever, or being a surgeon. Those are the two things that I'm hoping. But if those are not what life gives me, um, I guess like being a professor would be another thing that I could do because I'm, right now I'm teaching um, organic chemistry workshops 
and that used to be a lab TA, but this year I just decided to not do that. Plus, they didn't fit on my schedule. I used to teach a lot, like organic chemistry, and I tutored a lot, like general chemistry, um, and a little bit of biochemistry. So, like pretty much chemistries. Uh, I helped my friends out with um, physical chemistry and inorganic chemistry. <laughs> Everything chemistry, just mm-hmm. give it to me. I'm okay. Um, but yeah, like I just love it. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you're very like gifted and naturally talented in that area um would you say you've always been good at chemistry or has it been something you've had to like learn but like have slowly grown to like it so I had to adjust everything as I mentioned so no actually for organic chemistry my first first semester of organic chemistry it wasn't going that well actually to be honest so i walked away from it (laughs) and then took it again and then after that like I had to I figured out a way that worked for me for me it was more like learning a new language I've done that before right Mm -hmm. so I had to think every single mechanism in organic chemistry was a language and a new vocabulary you know and so I had to Think of it like verbs, adverbs, how to communicate, how they all communicate with each other and how the whole culture works, you know. And so with that, it kind of like helped me learn more about it and come to love it. And then after that, like I just kind of naturally went through, like went with the flow and I was very successful in those two, in in that class and then um, ended up teaching it instead. So, yeah. Yeah. But at first, like, it, it was my sophomore year, first semester. I feel like every single first semester is just a new thing because I have a huge break in the summer and then come back to school and I'm like, yeah, I forgot how to study. Now I have to figure out again how to study. And when I was taking organic chemistry, I was also in physics. I was also in biology, you know, like I was taking hard classes all together. And so that wasn't really a good fit, but um, I never gave up. I took it as a challenge, didn't drop my major, actually changed my major to biochemistry from biology, Mm -hmm. changed my major and took it as a challenge and did better. And so every single time I got my score, I'd look at it and say, how can I do better at this, you know? And how is this language not working? And how can I improve the language to be better at it? Mm -hmm. So I just kind of like started talking to myself through the process. In the the, um, library, you'll find me and some of the students from my class. And I'll be there talking them throughout, which I'm also talking it through to myself and making sure that if I understand it, it means I can teach it to another person to be able to understand it. And so that was my way of communication with organic chemistry as a language and it was pretty helpful actually like it was more like exchange of goods and services like business but in this case it was just exchange of information and what better ways to study mm-hmm. and I would sit and listen to what other students have and if their explanation was better than mine and how can I improve with that you know and so we were helping each other to be successful in the class and I think that was pretty awesome yeah yeah it's really interesting how you like describe your learning process for chemistry and just like learning it as like a language. 
Um, like, I feel like that can be applied to so many different things too, but it sounds like from what I understand, you kind of entered like a state of flow at a certain point and you kind of just understood the language. Um, but I, I agree with you on the point that like teaching something to somebody can help you like learn that thing like so well. Um, and I don't know, I highly recommend that too. I think that teaching is a great way to learn because you pretty much have to be able to explain it to somebody else. And if you can do that, you probably know it pretty well. Um, but yeah, I remember taking chemistry in high school and it was my favorite science class out of all of them. Um, and I would even like stay after to like help out with labs and stuff. And I don't know, I just found it so fun, but I never took anything in chemistry again. But I think it's super cool how you're um, in biochem. And just to clarify, so is it like um, a biology chemistry double major or is it its own thing? It's its own thing. It's mostly chemistry and mm -hmm. then concentration in biochemistry. But I took a few biology classes like microbio, A&P, anatomy and physiology, um, introduction to bio. For me, biochemistry made more sense because... Mm -hmm. It kind of explains the stuff that biology did not, like the processes that happen within your body, you know, like how, for example, glycolysis, the citric acid cycle, you know, like the synthesis of all these amino acids and how you can make them in your body, you know, the essential amino acids, when they come in, what do they do? Um, and how do they all disconnect together, like lipids? Um, um, everything like it's so amazing you know in biology it just tells you okay this is what it is and mm -hmm. that's how you should know it but it doesn't really exactly give the whole chemical explanation of everything right. and for me I needed that you know and so biochemistry was able to give me that and so I think that's why I kind of do really appreciate that a lot yeah like just knowing like the equation for like a process in your body seems so much more helpful than like Oh, memorize this list of things, you know. Exactly. It's uh, very complex. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So you would say you enjoy chemistry a lot more than biology then? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I would agree with you there. Um, I'm going to move on to the next question now. Um, I mean, you've already gone into this a lot, but just in case there's anything that you want to add on to this, um, could you tell us about your cultural background? Yeah, so I'm originally from Kenya. I come from a very small village um, where women are not really... So it's very patriotic-oriented, and so the fact that I'm here and gone to college, um, it's just a privilege that not everyone gets where I come from. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm very grateful for that. I come from a very big family of nine and I'm the only girl and I'm in the middle, four and four. And at this point, like everything is shifted that I am the one taking care of my family and it's not the other way around. Um, and it can be very challenging because they're all depending on me. And also like one of my huge cultural difference that I kind of learned is that we're not in Kenya, where I come from, they're not really good at direct communication, and I have learned how to directly communicate my thoughts and my feelings and just pretty much anything. 
I want to talk about and for them it's just different uh, and every time I'm very direct I'm considered very rude but it's just the way I am these days um, and I try so hard to shift everything when I talk to them and it can be very hard because I do want to be direct and say no today and say yes tomorrow but uh, in order to do that it, it means that someone might get hurt um and i don't know like it's just different culture but the most important thing is that i miss the food for real sometimes i make it but it's not the same you know mm -hmm. um yeah but i'm glad like i have some family in texas and so whenever i want some connection to that i can go there mm -hmm. um but for them, it's also different because I am the smart one in the family, the scientist. And so, I mean, they're very proud of me, which I appreciate. Um, and so any, like, any scientific thing that comes, they look back to me and they like, tell us more about it, which is cool, you know, but it's very difficult to keep constantly having to like explain stuff. Maybe that's why my friends are more into the beat. Like we all did mostly like the same classes um, because it's hard to relate with those who haven't taken the same classes as you have or have the same experience. Mm -hmm. um, but in general, like at this point, like all my life, I feel like my cultural values are changing a lot because I've been exposed to modern, um, modern lifestyle, I guess. Um, or I believe in so many things that are not believed in my own culture. And so, for example, I believe in equality for LGBTQ community. That's not something that is, like, you can't even bring that topic to my family. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I believe the fact that every human being has a right, you know, and women can go to school. Women can do all this amazing stuff. It's not something that is also valued in my culture. Yeah, as I said, like my cultural identity is shifting, but I'm not trying to shift it too much, you know, because I still value um, the culture that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. However, there's some there's some things that just like common sense that um, it's just common sense pretty much and it, it, me trying to communicate that to my family has been a very big challenge um and i guess that's where our differences lie right yeah like common sense like things that we would think of like equality and like all of humanity exactly it's like it doesn't have to be an entire discussion mm -hmm. on why this should be you know right um so when i decided to stay in the US. I had to figure out ways to stay. For example, how do I get healthcare? You know, <laughs> I'm not an American right. nor a resident. So how am I gonna make it? So with the help of my host family, I was able to join the foster care system, um, which was also new and got my um, my health insurance and then when things got hard between us um, I was bumped from one foster care to another um, and that was tough right 
I was put in a system where it was pretty hard to navigate through. I was never the kind of person who broke the rules or went to juvenile, right? Because I do not follow rules or anything like that. Um, so that was a huge shift. But one of my foster homes, um, the person who was in charge of us, her name is Magic, or Miss Hodges, but she likes me calling her Maimona because she was named that after she went to Maui in Africa. Mm -hmm. And so she really liked me so much because I was this perfect placement. I always make sure that the kids ate. I made sure that there was enough food in the fridge. I took care of everything. I never complained because I told myself this was just temporary, you know. Um, but I think and it was just very tough being in foster care and being bumped from one family to another and not knowing where you're going to end up next. But Ms. Hodges like kind of gave me purpose as well because I was her perfect student. She made sure that I followed the rules for sure. And she made sure that she would check on me once in a while, mm -hmm. uh, which I kind of did really appreciate. And the fact that I'm first generation and the fact that I was her first perfect student because every single student she got had a very hard life and got in trouble a lot with the law. Um, so she always says that I am so proud of you, Melanie. And every time I meet her, everyone has to know that I am a student at University of Portland and I am a biochemistry major and she always says she's gonna be a doctor, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's so sweet, you know? And every time she calls me and if I don't respond to my, like my phone call, she'll leave a message and then she'll start with a song like, I just wanna say I love you, you know, like it's so sweet. Like she, mm -hmm. um, she's that kind of a person. And so like, she's the person that makes me feel like I am not a creep, you know, like, because sometimes I can be, like, I, when I, especially when I focus too much with school. And so, yeah, it's just those few moments and, like, those little sweet moments um, that kind of made me push through and just, yeah, I do value change. And as I said, like, those sweet moments make it worth it, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I really like how... You were talking about how you get like this formal introduction, like, oh, this is Mel. She's doing all this. She's going to be a doctor. Like, this is our pride and joy right here. I really like that. That must feel really nice <laughs> when that happens. Maybe embarrassing sometimes, but... Um, In Zumba? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, like, I'm sure you you feel special because of that in some way. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's such a nice thing. Honestly, having like a connection like that is just like so valuable too because it's like those are the people who you can always turn to just for anything yeah um, also in addition to that like my host family i'm still in touch with them we're very close it's just that we don't live together my host dad his name is dan brown but he always tells his people in his office that i go to university of portland and i'm going to be a doctor someday and he's you know like I'm in a whole different country. The fact that everyone is looking up to me, it's very hard. Right. Like my younger brothers are 100% looking up to me. And how am I gonna be, you know, like, I wanna be able to feel comfortable around them, but I can't. 
like you have to put on kind of like a facade you're doing perfectly fine and you yes. are going to handle everything these days yeah. i just don't tell them what's happening in my life i just say oh, well it's school and school and school you mm -hmm. know i can't tell them the challenges i'm having because every single time we talk it's their challenges and for them i'm in america so that's all they see i'm in america america is money and i've been trying to shift that perspective and i think so far it's going pretty well so hopefully yeah. it keeps going in that trend yeah continue that conversation mm -hmm. it's all relative to where you live i suppose you know you're going through completely different struggles but it doesn't mean yours are like any less valid than theirs exactly but yeah not being able to to say those things to them is definitely a hardship i mean and you're very strong for being able to deal with that i mean that's all you can kind of do is cross your fingers and hope things keep going well I mean, honestly, as long as you keep on living, good things will happen most of the time. <laughs> Luck is on your side, hopefully. I'm doing my part. Yeah. No, you definitely are. And the most I've ever heard of, like, a, a college student, like, as far as responsibilities go, that is, like, the most <laughs> responsibilities I have ever heard of. Like, I feel very lucky that I don't have that kind of weight on my shoulders. And, I mean, that's just amazing that you're able to, to do all that as, like, a, a full-time student as well. It's definitely a lot to juggle, but I'm almost there. Almost there. I'm going to move on to the next question here. So, did you ever use the first-generation resources provided on campus? I know you talked about the mentorship program and reaching out to Matt Daly, but did you use any other resources, or do you want to yes. go more in-depth with those? So, yes. So... I got to a point where I got very exhausted juggling through school, trying to make money to be in school, you know, in social life. It was just too much. And so I remember going to talk to my daily, and then he directed me to Yuri, then Yuri directed me. To, like, so it was a bunch of directions. Right. Um, and I just got so overwhelmed with all those directions, I just decided to take a deep breath and think. Who in this school, if I go to, will have more resources? Because these people, like, I'll go to them and they'll direct me and it was more like a circle. Mm -hmm. Which was, I appreciated the fact that they're all trying to help. But it was just so overwhelming and I needed an exact answer. And so I then reached out to, for the gym. He was a pastoral resident at that point and I think he's still a pastoral resident at Mailing still. And I reached out to him, and I figured, like, he's a priest. This school is run by priests mostly, so he might have some resources. Mm -hmm. And then from there, he directed me to Russell, who's, who is my financial aid advisor. And, and he told me, just don't worry, just make sure your grades are pretty good. And so I stopped worrying about paying for school and crossed my fingers and hoped that that's true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so all I did was just put my do my best with school and then... After the end of the semester, my sophomore year, I received a scholarship that covered my summer program, like my, my summer classes and fall semester and spring semester. And so like 
from there, like, I got my school paid for in full. Mm-hmm. And I had to not pay any money, which was pretty awesome. But I guess, like, it was more, like, figuring out ways to advocate for myself. Because the first way, I felt like it wasn't working. Because it was seeing one person after the other. And then just being connected, like, just going and open up to Matt, to Father Jim, um, became an easier path. And I guess, like, what I kind of learned with that process was, like, just not giving up and just knowing that I'm I'm my own advocate. Because mm-hmm. if I don't talk about my problems or my struggles, then who is going to know about it? Right. And there's always someone who knows someone who can help out, you know. Because at first they were taking me to the international student resources, but they didn't really have a lot of resources for international students because I have a pending immigration status. I qualify for being an Oregon resident. So, like, it was just a matter of getting the best connection to be able to help to pay for my school and that kind of took a huge burden out of me like because I had to make sure I had $15,000 to cover for this school and that was a lot of money it was just exhausting and there's no way I could have done it my junior year and senior year and so it was just about me going open up about myself and not being scared of being vulnerable and that helped me out and I'm sure in that way, everybody recognized that, like, this person belongs here. This person deserves to be here. And I'm glad you found that support that you needed, too. That is very interesting about being your own advocate as well, because it's definitely important that somebody sees what you're going through because, you know, we need help. Like, everybody needs help. People can say they don't need help, but I don't know how true that is. I'm yeah. glad that you were able to find that and I mean once again like those other resources might have helped but it sounds like you were the one mainly mainly like pushing for that and like doing that on your own too yeah because I figured if I don't talk about it then who's gonna know my story and who's mm-hmm. gonna help me out you know because at first I was very too proud too proud to ask for help I was like I've got this I know I've got this yeah you know? I feel that um but the amount of exhaustion that I had was just unbearable because I was a full-time student taking 22 credits and then working about 20 hours a week and expected to have a social life and expected to have good grades, you know, like it was just, it was quite, yeah, I was very exhausted. And so like I had to figure out ways that worked for me. Like, and yes, I did use the first generation resources, but that didn't take me anywhere. And so then I had to say, okay, so if that didn't take me anywhere, what else can I do that would help me out, you know? Mm-hmm. And so after connecting with Father Jim, then he knew the right people to push buttons into. And so after that, like, I got really great scholarship for both my, my junior and senior year. You mentioned, too, that you lived in, in Mailing Hall. How would you rate that experience based on, like, everywhere you've lived since you've came to America? So living in Mailing was great (laughs) I learned a lot about myself and what I expect from a roommate Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess it was more like a process of learning about myself and rediscovering myself it was interesting it was an all-girls dorm and my freshman year I didn't really have a roommate let's put it that way and then my sophomore year I had a roommate and she was amazing but I'm a messy person Mm -hmm. and the fact that the other person wasn't messy I constantly had this 
OCD of having to clean up and um, it was exhausting for a whole year but yeah it came to a point where I just gave up and then I'll just clean up once a week on on weekends and mm -hmm. make the room at least tidy for once um, but she didn't mind she never complained so that kind of <laughs> made me not freaked out all the time but yeah. uh, I was pushing her buttons and <laughs> she was amazing it was different right because now I'm living with people who are my age uh, when I was in foster care, it was all mixed. Mm -hmm. um, it was both teenagers and young folk. And I didn't really talk to the teenagers because I was always in my own bubble. Mm -hmm. And so I just mostly took care of the kids. And then when I was in my foster, my host family, that was different because they were like my family and they were like my siblings, the kids. And so we did pretty much sibling stuff. We'd argue and do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the culture is just different. Every single house I went to was different. They had different ways they dealt with it. Like they, some of them ate dinner together. Some of them never did that. Some of them oh, serve like you cook, you eat yourself. You know, some of them are like, oh, we cook, we share the food together. It was the, just different. And I every single time I had to adjust my expectations. Right. Yeah. Like joining like a new family every time. Exactly. Moving in. I mean, I don't know what sounds objectively better, like that or dorm life. I guess it all depends on who you're living with, too. Yeah. In college, my junior year, I actually lived in Tyson. Mm -hmm. And so I had my own single room, but we shared the whole apartment with every other person. So we're six, seven of us. We shared the communal area together, and that was cool. But at least I had this small room to myself. And right. whenever I wanted to be social with them, I'll go hang out with them. But whenever I needed me time, which I actually do like me time a lot, yes, I would go to my room. And yeah, and now it's the same thing as well. I'm living at a professor's house, and I have my own room. And mm -hmm. whenever I want to be part of the family, I will be part of the family. But I also like me time, which every weekend is me time. So <laughs> yeah. I agree with that. And I mean, having having your own room is very nice, too. This is the first year in college I get my own room. And it's just so nice having that place to escape, too. I asked about Mailing earlier because I lived in Villa right next to Mailing. And I have some not-so-great experiences in Mailing. And then a couple decent ones as well. But it seemed like every time I went in there, I would get in trouble for something or other. And I don't know. I got to a point where I was like, okay, I don't like going in mailing anymore. Definitely dorm life was, was something different. And also, the is Tyson the one with like the anchor like right next to Lund? Or is that Haggerty? That's Haggerty. Okay. Tyson's the one with the rest life. Okay. Yeah. I've definitely, I've been in both, um, like one apartment building in each. And those spaces are really nice compared to the dorms too. Like the kitchen situation is very nice. Yeah. Um, and the laundry don't have to pay for it. Yeah, the laundry as well. That's that's great. Yeah. Laundry in dorms too. It was like, it could be like really good for you if you live like right next to the laundry machines, or it could be like really bad if you live like way far away. I think every year I've been getting closer to the laundry machine. Like, at one point I had to throw my laundry off the fire escape onto the lawn and then like walk it over. Otherwise, it was just way too far. And then I moved a little bit closer and now living in a house, my room is like right next to the laundry machines. So I'm like next year, I'm going to be living in the laundry room. I don't know, but <laughs> it is definitely nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to move on to the next 
question here and it is looking back to your freshman self what advice would you give yourself yeah i've thought a lot about this like i think one of the biggest advice that i would give myself is just stop being too proud and ask for help because mm-hmm. if i had done that earlier then i wouldn't have struggled the way i did as a freshman and sophomore it's those really challenging experiences that i've had that have made me resilient to most scenarios that happen right so like i remember my junior year uh the fall of my junior year i broke my leg and i needed surgery <laughs> and so i did that um and so and like i was very determined to get better and be able to walk again and it took me about four months to Mm -hmm. be able to fully walk but still with pain i'm still with pain but it was just that those little moments and without the community that i had created like the group of friends and people that i've been involved with for the past four years i'm not sure how i could have made it you Mm -hmm. know because I had some friends who helped me out and then Dr. James, who I'm now living with, you know, they helped me out. They made sure that I was okay. And I guess this is the beauty of the University of Portland. It's a very small community. And once you have your small bubble and you know people, you know, connections, then your life gets easier and easier. Right. Yeah, as I said, like, if I look back to my freshman self, it will just be, don't be scared of asking for help and it's okay to be vulnerable because mm-hmm. that's how you meet people, new people, because then you'll get more help. I agree with that, too. I think that's probably my favorite part of UP is just, like, not necessarily, like, the resources that are there for you, but, like, the people that are, like, there for you. I can definitely relate to having to kind of like swallow your pride and just be like okay I need help I had to go through that kind of like asking Matt Daly like hey I can't pay for the necessities like I need a job and like he helped me out and eventually I started working for him so it's just like I can definitely see how like once you have that friendship that bond with somebody else whether it's like another another peer or like a professor or any kind of faculty like they're always willing to help you and they'll do like as much as they can here i think i think that's some pretty good advice so last like serious question on the list is what challenges have you faced since you started college what was like your biggest challenge my biggest challenge was being able to pay for school Mm -hmm. because it's not a joke man like especially if you can't take loans or I am not qualified for federal aid or take loans or anything. And so just having to come up with that kind of money was just very challenging. And I'm grateful that my host family helped me out. I was able to take a few loans from them and pay them back, which was pretty nice. For freshmen here, they actually did pay for me, for my room and board and everything. But I also wanted to be independent and being able to pay for it. And so sophomore year, I actually did take a loan from them and paid them back. By the end of sophomore year, I was done paying the loan to them, Mm -hmm. which was really nice. Like, kind of gave me this responsibility. And I decided to invest in my own education, which was pretty awesome. It was mostly, like, just being able to think about how to come up with $15,000 a year. Right. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that was the biggest challenge. Yeah. Um, School was never an issue. It was just a matter of, like, me finding time to study. Right. Other than that, like, it was just the paying for school. Okay, well, that was all, like, the the serious questions. So let's get into 
some of the for fun questions. The first one I have for you is what is your favorite movie, TV show, or book? Or all three if you want. My favorite movie of all time is Dream Girls. Actually, maybe Pitch Perfect. Okay, I have a lot, but anyways, one like the musicals, I guess. Yeah. My favorite TV show of all time, anyone who knows me knows me well. It's Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. I would rewatch that show over and over again. I've had other good shows, but I think Grey's Anatomy is just one of those TV dramas that kind of I I really liked it. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to books, okay, so <laughs> this is one of my favorite ones that I've read so far, and one of the hardest books that I've read. It was like reading for a class, or it was like taking a different class, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's called Diaspora. It's by Greg Egan. It's awesome. It's like, when I was reading it, good thing I was taking quantum chemistry, and so I was learning quantum mechanics and all these formulas, and with with diaspora, it has all the like it has quantum chemistry, biochemistry, biology, physics, thermodynamics, relativity, like all these amazing topics to talk about in that one small book. It was like 200, 300 pages, but it took me a whole year to read because yeah. you read two pages and you're like, ouch, your brain hurts. Yes. And so when I finally finished it, I felt like, oh man, I've just completed one of the biggest, you know thing ever so yeah. I really liked that book yeah yeah do you read a lot of books for fun or yes do you I do them? yeah okay. yeah right now I'm finishing up the third Mistborn book and then Brandon Sanderson's and then I have other like Brandon Sanderson's books I've read I, I read a lot so yes sometimes that's how I spend my free time yeah I I wish I I read more but honestly I have like like a first grade reading level. I feel like every time I say my reading level grade, it gets lower. I'm just like not a good reader. Like I will read one page in like 15 minutes. I can finish a whole novel in a day. That's insane. Yeah, I'm, I'm jealous of that, honestly. I wish I could do that. I guess it just takes practice. Anyways, are you involved in any clubs on campus? Yes, I, in Black Student Union, I also am in Filipino Association, the FASA. I'm in ACS club, I'm the treasurer of the club. Mm-hmm. I'm also involved in diversity and inclusion. I'm also involved in, <laughs> I'm involved in so many things. The PRF pro- like project, the research fellow program. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and then the LGBTQ community. Yeah, that is a, a lot of communities to be involved in, too. Yeah. I bet it's good for, like, meeting different people and stuff, though, and making new friends. Sure. So the next question I have for you is, what is your favorite music genre? Ah, oh, that's a tough one. I mean, I like hip-hop, but I also like bongo flavor. It's like Kenyan music and Tanzanian music mix, or East African music in general. Mm-hmm. I also like Afrobeats. They're pretty awesome. I like reggae. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like classic jazz. Yeah. I don't like metallic that much, but I can handle techno a little. I like R&Bs. They're not that bad. Mm-hmm. And then I like the 90s and 2000s early music. Those are pretty awesome. Yeah. 
I like soul music. I like country hits. Yeah, pretty much every single song except a few of them. <laughs> yeah. Do you listen to music when you study? And if you oh, do, yeah. what genre do you listen to? Hip-hop. <laughs> oh, okay, nice. Yeah, I like being able to enjoy the music while working yeah. out my stuff. That's the one thing I'm always... When you're doing math and listening to like music with words, you can do it. It's like compatible. But I never get to do math anymore, and it means like I always have to be listening to like this soft, mellow music. Otherwise, my mind will just start running in all different directions. No, like my friends, they think I'm weird because I listen to like very. I can listen to WAP or I can listen to Cardi B like Up or Megan Thee Stallion while writing a paper and being okay with that. Like it doesn't bother me. Yeah. But sometimes, like if I put my if I don't sing along, then I'll end up writing the lyrics, and I'm like, yeah, that's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to do this other stuff. See, that that's what I would do is just write the lyrics or just completely forget what I'm writing about in general and start thinking about something else. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it is that you're able to listen and like write at the same time? I don't know. It's just multitasking, I guess. Yeah. Because when I'm thinking, I'm thinking clearly, right? I know what exactly I want to say. So listening to music is not, it, it's not a distract, like it, it doesn't distract me from doing whatever I'm doing. Right. And uh, sometimes I might be singing out loud while typing and just go with the flow. Yeah. Plus yeah. I kind of like, I visual everything that I want to write. And so just, I, I just type it out. When you, so like some people like, when they like visualize something in their head, some people think of like numbers, some people think of words, some people see like images. I see words. Words? Okay. Yeah. yeah. That that would make sense then. You can like be hearing one thing and thinking a different thing. Exactly. For me, I think in like pictures or like images. Okay. So, so. you're a visual learner? Yes, definitely. Visual learner and a slow one at that, but <laughs> I give by. What's your favorite food? Seafood. Anything seafood? I love seafood. Crabs and lobsters and octopus and fish. Anything yeah. that involves the sea, I'll eat it. Yeah, seafood is delicious. Mm -hmm. As I long can't... as I don't get sick. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I can't eat it every day or I'll get sick. I do like seafood a lot. I went to the coast a couple times recently and I was just like, wow, I haven't had seafood in like a year and a half or like two years. So I just had to go all out with that. Crab is definitely like a, I, there's something about it. It's just like so good. It's mm -hmm. like gold. Yeah. Yeah. And the last fun question I have for you and the last question is, um, what are some of your hobbies? I like creating. I like biking. I like watching Netflix. I like sleeping, although these days that's not something that I do that yeah. much. Like I go to bed like at one, I'm awake by four. Every single day I look at the time, it's 5.55, which is annoying. I want it to be more. And then I go to bed, and I go back to bed and wake up again. I'm like, it's just 6.30. I, my body tells me you've done enough, you know. Did I mention reading? If I didn't, I love reading. I like going on hikes. I like trying new foods. I like traveling a lot. But so far, I've only traveled within the U.S. Mm -hmm. I like meeting new people because then it kind of tells a lot about me and I get to know more about me and someone else and learn someone else's culture and it's just very nice and it's good to appreciate that because every single person has their own backgrounds 
sometimes it's good to learn some commonalities between each and everyone without the fear of judgment or anything. Mm-hmm. I like kids. I like playing with kids a lot. They're pretty nice. Like, that's how I learned my English, actually, by babysitting a lot and talked with kids who were beginning to speak, and it was easier. The vocabulary is very pure, not complicated, you know, like, right. that kind of helped me out with my English. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's so, like, interesting, too, is, like, learning English, like, from the mouth of babes, like... Like, I would have never thought of that even helping at all. But It was easier that way than speaking to adults who have a lot of vocabularies because when people were talking, I felt like everything just passed. Mm-hmm. But with kids, it was simple. And they were patient, and they, like, they would ask questions. Why, are you, why is your English so bad? Like, I'm just new here, you know? They never judged. Whenever they were curious, they'd ask the questions, you know? And it kind of felt like it felt better. And I just kind of, like, read the books, and they correct me, like, for those who already knew how to read. Mm -hmm. I read the kids' books, and they're like, that's not how you say it. This is how you say it. I'm like, okay, good. Then I will repeat it again and say it the right way, you know. I never felt bad about that, like, kids helping me out or anything. Like, for me, it was like, this is amazing. Instead of going to sit in a class, like, ESL class, and learn how to communicate and know how that was... For me, it was more like, I am going to put myself out there in the community and let the community teach me the language. It's yeah. Like, yeah. The kids are so honest and, like, mean sometimes. I feel like they're, like, kids can be, like, the most mean out of, like, anyone, but I feel like it helps. Yeah. Because if a kid is mean to you... It's okay. Yeah, it's totally fine. And it's it's just, like, a learning experience in itself. Yeah, one, one other follow-up question for you is where's the your favorite place that you've traveled to so far? I want to go back to San Padre Island. It's in Texas. Mm. The only place that I found that the beach is warm. You know, the water is warm. Yeah. It's not like the Oregon coast. I've been to like the beaches in California, but they are still cold as compared to San Padre Island. Yeah, I would love to go back and visit there. I would also like to go back. I mean, I'm going to California in about two weeks. I'm not gonna I'm not sure if we're gonna go to the beach or not but I would love to go visit the beach again and feel how different it feels because yeah. now that I've tasted that there's a warmer beach in US like I am happy to go back I would love to visit Hawaii though like I've heard it's better like in terms of like the beach so yeah. it would be nice to test that hypothesis I out of every place I went to Probably the Hawaii beaches have been the best. And I've only been to Hawaii, like, once as an adult. And then I went there, like, once as a child. But my family doesn't, like, travel too much. So it's usually, like, a thing where it's, like, every, like, five years, my mom is, like, surprises us with some random vacation. And she'll be like, I work so hard for this. Everybody behave, and we're going on vacation. And it's always, you know ends in some kind of family drama but it's still so fun exactly are you going to northern california or southern southern california la area oh nice so we yeah we might drive down to the beach maybe san Clemente or something like that but i'm not sure yeah definitely southern california beaches it can be nice it's really hit or miss though i lived in like the la area until i was 10 and then i moved to norcal Definitely SoCal beaches are much nicer. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Well, that's all I have to ask you today. So thank you for joining the podcast, Mel. I mean, you know, it's it's your project as well. But thank you for finally coming on for an interview in kind of like a more conversational style. I think this has been like a really good episode. It's fun for me. So um, thank you again. Yeah, and- thank you for being part of this and being able to ask me these amazing questions. Yeah. Anyways, that's going to conclude this episode of the podcast um, with John and Mel. So see you guys next time. Thank you for listening. If you're a first-generation student or faculty member at the University of Portland who is interested in speaking on this podcast, particularly with a friend, classmate, or mentor of yours who is also first-gen, don't hesitate to reach out to John and Norman to schedule a time and place to record. Our emails are heartj22 at up.edu and hilker22 at up.edu. Support for this podcast comes from the Public Research Fellowship Program and the First Generation Program of the University of Portland's Shepherd Academic Resource Center. The First Gen Experience is written and directed by Melanie Moivai, editing and sound by Jonathan Hart and Norman Hilker, funding provided by the Public Research Fellowship Program.